Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready? No longer will I let the clowns out the tricks me They wanna lock me up, they wanna Michael pick me Give me a government order that seem make me sickly This world is not what it seems, pass Officer Ricky All the gays in the industry with more secrets than Vicky When Menard is seen, they all chasing Nikki Straight to the devil's door, cause hell is in Vicky This way the game is fair, definitely hard You like that movie with Whitney minus the bodyguard Death is your reflection The love of money is like a poison It's lethal injection People are selling their souls To the highest bidder Giving their way to morals And they never consider The repercussions of living life as an atheist Loving God should be number one on your bucket list Jesus coming back like a thief in the night Well hello, welcome once again to our internet program I'm your host Minister Joel Lewis, and you are listening to Free on the Inside. Are you ready? Are you ready for the things that are going on? Do you see what's happening in society today? Oh, my God. We thank God for men and women that are standing in the gap, men and women that's making a difference. We are happy to have on our show this morning Mr. Alexander, the president of the Next Generation Action Network, a multicultural nonprofit organization striving for social change for all people, regardless of the race religion, nationality, gender, or sex, amen, or age, amen. And also we have as our co-host this morning, Carol Reed is going to come on, and she's going to conduct the interview with Mr. Alexander this morning. Carol Reed is no stranger to our Blog Talk Network. She has been on our show before in a different format, but that's what we would like to just tell you something about her. Carol Reed herself is an activist for human rights and civil rights. Changes. She also continued to work with her alumni at Southern Message University regarding these issues. She have uh, she have made two pilgrimages with the SMU Civil Rights uh, Pilgrimage sponsored by the SMU Theological Program. This civil rights pilgrimage have allowed her to visit, walk, and stand in the exact same places as Martin Luther King and other civil rights historical uh, men and women, following the footsteps of, of the soldiers. Uh, for the civil rights movement, and also in the in modern uh, martyrs uh, martyr for the civil rights movement, Amen. So we'd like to bring them two on, and we're going to open the phone line up. You two can join the conversation, uh, be a part of the show at three one zero nine eight two forty one twenty six. You two can call in and ask our guests a couple of questions, or just kick back and rejoice and enjoy the program. And then the next voice you'll hear will be our guest, Mr. Alexander. Good morning, Mr. Alexander. Good morning, Mr. Alexander. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Hello. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we have our co-host on the line also, Miss Carol Reed. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Mr. Alexander. Good morning. 
Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna just kick back and uh, enjoy this show. Uh, uh, Mr. Alexander, I'm gonna turn you over to uh, Cara Rita. She's gonna conduct our interview. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Mr. Alexander. It's a pleasure to have you on the show this morning, and thank you for your time and everything. Brother Joe, thank you for the opportunity to sit in and co-host with you this morning. Mr. Alexander, I am, I am, I tell you what, I've looked over your, um, the website for the network, and it is fantastic. It's wonderful what you all are doing. So let me just give you an opportunity to, in your own words, to give us uh, kind of what the network is all about and, and, and tell us a little bit about yourself and the network that you founded. Well, I can give you a gesture of the history of the Next Generation Action Network. Um, I have been a part of organizations, the NAACP and the PUSH Coalition, done several works for different organizations. Um, um, This time last year, a year ago, I felt like there needed to be a more stronger presence for the Next Generation um, to have a platform to be able to lead and and be able to address some of the concerns that's normally going on. Um, normally, these organizations, they normally welcome us in, and, you know, they welcome us in into a more um, lower-type level. But the next generation have some impactful leaders across America that if, if a platform presents itself, they will be able to lead and make some very impactful changes. So I wanted to be able to focus an organization, not include, not 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 you know not xing out uh, people that's over the age of forty, but someone the organization that really focused on impacting the people uh, of the ages under forty and under. Um, and I started the Next Generation Action Network to take on that issue. And I did not want to make an organization that's based off just one race. Um, I wanted to build a multicultural organization um, because I feel that the problems that is is, uh, brought about in America are going to take all of us. And I don't care what race or skin, whatever it may be, it's not a black problem, it's not a white problem, it's not a Hispanic problem, it is a human problem. So we... uh, We commit ourselves to be able to fight for not only civil rights but human rights. And uh, we started the Next Generation Action Network based on that principle, fighting for uh, our education system being purposely underfunded, um, um, human sex trafficking, domestic violence in the community, uh, uh, violence in the community, police brutality, um, and, you know, my, uh, I grew up in Oak Cliff, uh, Texas, and um, I started a foundation about a year ago called the Kelly Alert Foundation, in which we have a bill on Texas floor called the Kelly Alert for victims of imminent danger between the ages of 18 to 64, um, similar to the Amber Alert and the Silver Alert, but this is for um, the people between that gap. So we're trying to do some amazing things and being able to be impactful to be able to change that is incredible. That's a lot you all have going on, and I love the the whole ideology behind it being young people, and it kind of takes us back to um, the civil rights movement with that involved SNCC, which was a, a, a young organization of, you know, per se college students and, and under, and I know for a fact they went all the way back to elementary, even in the civil rights movement where, 
you know, you had your college. And when they got arrested, then they had to move to the actually even lower grade school children out there in the civil rights movement as foot soldiers. So that being said, I, I mean, I understand also, Mr. Alexander, you're an ordained minister for the Chula Missionary Baptist Church. And so with that being said, I wanted to pose this question. Uh, the civil rights movement, the foundation of all of what the civil rights movement you know, involved an organization of ministers and by and large the church, the church itself. Uh, I mean, we all know that the boycott, uh, bus boycott in Alabama was constructed as a pseudo uh, station um, or transit, transit system, if you will, through the church and through uh, members or volunteering their cars and they're buying automobiles to transport those people for the entire year of the bus boycott. And so, You've been an ordained minister, and and this movement you have. What would you say? Because I think what's missing here, and it's just my opinion, you know, is the participation of the church, the strong uh, participation of the church that made the civil rights movement so successful. So, what role do you think the church should play today with your organization, as organizations such as yourself? What role do you think the church can play today, and do you even think they will? Well, I can tell you this. Uh, um, as a historian of the civil rights movement and other movements that went across the world, um, I know that the church had a very strong presence in in being able to bring about change. Even when, and, and if you uh, read the Bible, change came with the church. Um, I feel that the church should have a more stronger presence, and my organization is gearing up to make sure that we can be able to galvanize churches to have a more stronger presence on the issues that's going on. Um, it saddens me every day that we don't have our churches um, being heavily involved with the things that we're doing in the community. Um, I tell people all the time, I was, you know, I, I, in the city of Dallas just alone, mm-hmm. we had more of the top 100 largest churches in the country in the mm-hmm. DMW metrics. Mm-hmm. And I just think about that and that we can be so much impactful. But I know mm-hmm. that the government, know that the the people that, um, you know, push oppression towards different people, they know that. And mm-hmm. they are the strategy very strongly to make sure that we're not able to be impactful in gaining the support of churches. So um, under the direction of my church, the True Love Missionary Baptist Church, Dr. Emmy Sargent, Dr. Mm-hmm. Emmy Sargent, one of the founding members, um, the Oak Cliff Ministers Union and, and the International Ministers Alliance in Dallas, and I've been working very closely with pastors to be able to uh, bring about change in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and and being able to connect with pastors with history that they cannot argue with. Okay, that is that's incredible. I, I totally agree with you on that, and I I, I am hoping uh, that the churches will become more involved uh, in this movement. Uh, and you're so very right. It's the most the successful mega churches here in here in the Dallas area, in the Texas area, you would think that we would have a little bit more support on that. And so uh, I'd like to ask, um, you know, I understand that you work with uh, an organization that likes to involve the young people, a young people's movement. So with 
a generation that is so violent prone towards one another at times, how are we going to be able to get them to pro- to protest or conduct themselves in a non-violent manner that would garner this new respect for a generation for an organization such as yourself? How are you how are you going about in the recruitment of young people, and how are you getting these young people with the, that nowadays they have a quite a violent mindset to come together and come under the umbrella of an organization such as yours? Well. The main thing go uh, I, I'm trying to build an organization where to be likely and more innovative that young mm-hmm. folks be able to come. I tell you, most of the time they find me. Okay. Um, they find the organization, then we exactly. finding them. Um, and 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 right now in the community, right now, we just have to have things that's going to be able to impact them. And when we get them, we educate them on the people that did it in a violent way, and we educate them the people that did it in a nonviolent way. And we we weigh out the success and the things they were able to accomplish. And everybody agree at the end of the day that the nonviolent folks accomplished a lot of things. And um, we just go about history, and most of us know about Martin Luther King. And most of us are tired. Um, I think we went on a dormant stage. My mom's generation, my mom agreed with me that in the 90s and the 80s, it kind of went on a dormant stage. Mm -hmm. Um, I think um, black people and different people started getting a little bit of it. A lot of stuff was a little bit addressed, and they was like, okay. and, And it went on a dormant stage. So I believe that this is a generation that will bring this thing back up and put it back into the grid to really uh, be able to take this thing to another level and being able to address these um, uh, serious um, racial um, um, comments, racial things, um, lack of opportunity in our employmentship. Um, I just spoke at the commissioner's court. Um, this past week, um, Mike Contrell made a comment, John Wiley Price and Elba Garcia, they uh, was bringing the diversity into the new Parkland Hospital, and 57 mm-hmm. out of 57 top executives, 42 of them was white. And um, the commissioner, Mike Contrell, he said, he made a comment, he said that, I know that we always say that the, uh, the staffers should reflect the patient's but maybe the staffers should reflect the reflect the taxpayers. So mm. we protested him to ask him exactly who is the taxpayer. So are you telling us the minority community do not pay taxes in Dallas County? You know, so and, and right now, you know, we very well we very well need to stand up on these issues and address these issues. That is that is fantastic. Now that's the way to go. Y'all are y'all are holding their foot to the fire on those on the important issues out there. And I mean that's a that's a wonderful thing to know that y'all got that covered too. Okay, and so I let's see. I was just going to shift gears. And um, in terms of the the um, in light of all of the the, the latest um, things that have been happening out there in the community, in particular with um, the violence upon. Uh, um, Young African American, Latinos, and even poor whites. Um, what what um, 
do you think um, your role will be in reaching out to law enforcement to have them um, come to an understanding or come to more involved with the community and, and coming together so that maybe we can work some things out with regards to how they approach us in our communities and even how we react to them when they come into our communities? Well, main first thing, you have to open up the dialogue with these mm-hmm. folks. Um, mm-hmm. About a month ago, um, I was invited to a police simulator. And what I went through in this simulator, it was with the Dallas Police Association. And what I went through is three different um, simulator cases um, of, of live interactions of how police, what they go through. Um, I did a press conference, and they asked me a question. They was like, um, what do you do? And what, well, main thing about it is, is when an officer tells you um, to do something, please do not hesitate to um, stop and render aid to do the things that they're telling you to do um, because we cannot win it in the streets. Most people felt like I shouldn't have done that. You know, most people in the police brutality uh, thing, I shouldn't have do that. But we have to open up the dialogue to be able to interact. Now, they invited most of our, all of our state leaders and our city of, uh, city of Dallas leaders and mayors to do this simulator. And I was the one guy that was able to do this simulator. Now, at this advantage, I'm able to use this at my best advantage in being able to address some of these concerns that's going on in our community. So with that being said, we were able to make some alliance and be able to open up dialogue between the Dallas Police Association and um, our organization to be able to go into this next year with some strong reform towards policing and, um, and, and definitely address this issue. So we're definitely opening up our dialogue and being able to um, the community needs policing, and the police need community. That is that now that's awesome. I don't even. <laughs> that's how you do it right there. And it's like you're going and getting the tools that you need, and and that's perfect. Like that's that's kind of. I mean, you know, I just think everything you're saying is just right on point. I mean, you can't, you're going in all the right directions, and I think that this is going to be a wonderful thing that I hope the listening audience is taking all this in and finding out ways that they can get in touch with this organization because I can tell you, as you've heard Mr. Alexander explain, you know, they are going in the right direction in bettering our communities. And so it is just important, the work that, you all are doing. And so, um, Joe, at this time, will you be taking questions for Mr. Alexander, or should we keep moving along? I think this is a great interview. We want to thank both of you for being on here and doing uh, what God ordained you to do. Mr. Alexander, you hit on some very important points about uh, the church being involved, how the young people are seeking you out. Will you give us some information, uh, and the phone lines are filling up, so we'll give Mr. Alexander plenty of time to express his thoughts and comments regarding the questions that you have asked him, and they've been very timely questions. Mr. Alexander, give us some information on how someone can get in touch with your organization and be involved in what you're doing. Well, currently, um, you can go on our website. It's just www.nextgenerationactionnetwork. Uh, That's www.nextgenerationactionnetwork. 
Um, or you can go on our Facebook, uh, the Next Generation Action Network. We're on Twitter. We're on uh, Tumblr. We're on YouTube. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on all the social media handlers. Um, um, or you can call our organization at 866-337-3060. That's 866-337-3060. And I'm also on Twitter under Minister Dominique Alexander um, and on Facebook under Minister Dominique Alexander. Great, great. Thank you for that. Now, Carol, will you please help go ahead and finish uh, conducting the interview? We got the phone lines sure. of uh, uh, Billy up here, so we're going to get some okay. more uh, questions presented, okay. then we'll open the phone line up. Okay. Um, so, Vander, this is, this is an, I'm, I'm loving this interview. This is so great. Um, so, and in regards to some of the information that you picked up in working with the police, um, what advice do they give you on how minorities are, should ask when they're approached by the police if, if they if provided information with you, that they didn't give you any insight on how we should conduct ourselves when we are approached by, say, law enforcement? Well, the main thing about it, the most educated way is that to take the mindset only that we cannot win it in the streets. We cannot win it in the streets. I don't care how you feel. I really mm-hmm. don't care how reserved you feel. Please, it, for your protection, always, if the officer tells you to put your hands up, we pray that this officer do, do, do not do anything unconstitutional. But one of the things is, is that you can pick up your phone. You can audio. You can do whatever you want to do to audio and make sure that whatever's done, you're safe at this time. And um, we want to make sure that if this officer tells you to put your hands up, officer wants you to do, that you're rendering everything that this officer is, is doing. And that if you wait, and this officer vows like anything of you, and you wait later, we will make sure that this officer is held accountable towards his action, towards what's going on. So <laughs> we don't want to be going after protesting later on um, after someone has lost their life again. Um we are trying to raise awareness so people can understand that we need um, um, everybody to have a mindset of being able to educate themselves on how to interact with police officers. And then at the same time, we're working very diligently on how officers need to interact with citizens. And that mm-hmm. one thing is that the officers need to stop killing our unarmed black men in our community and our minority people in this community where the races and statistics are very, very high of unarmed men. And over 40 years, no one has been indicted of shooting, uh, a, a, fatal, a fatal shooting of an unarmed black man in 40 years. You know, and um, and we have so many of those cases, and we must we must address those cases. We must address them, and um, that's what we're doing. That's fantastic. You're right about that, and I and I have to agree with your mom because I'm I probably from her generation, and she's right. You know, there was it, we did lay dormant or for a while. I guess I mean I, as we were growing, we were probably young, but it seemed like there was a dormant. Everybody got complacent on how things were, but it today it seems so much like. Uh, we're returning to all of the the um, 
community issues, the violence, and, and all those things that were happening in the 50s and 60s and that, that prompted the movement of the civil rights movement. So um, it, now, the Next Generation Network is a wonderful place that a person can, they can contact the organization uh, for information regarding issues that they may have had with the police. Is that correct? It, it, and, do it so, and, if, and if not, you guys, what are the proper channels they can take when you're abused by the police? Well, yes, we we definitely will love to uh, hear the case and hear it out and, and, and being able to address it. Um, right now we have uh, numerous of cases of officer interactions of people that are currently alive, um, and we're currently addressing them and being able to make sure that we uh, put the right attention right. on these cases. So definitely we are uh, working with uh, a couple of people with doing that. So you can definitely call our organizations. Um, if you're having a problem with police interaction in your community, different things, uh, if you want to um, your police department to step up more community policing in your uh, neighborhood, you notice that they keep on sending different officers in your neighborhood, and you want to make sure that these same officers are being placed in your neighborhood to know your neighborhood, to know the people in there. Because one of the things that that line, if they keep on switching people into your neighborhood, that mm-hmm. encouraging that that brings harassment more up. You get me? Because you don't have a person that really knows the neighborhood, right. knows the folks. Um, I stayed in in McKinney for a brief minute, mm-hmm. and um, most of the officers there, they knew me. They used to go down the street and they throw their hand up or whatever because it was mm-hmm. the same officers. They, mm-hmm. they were the same one. They knew who I was. They knew, you know. Mm-hmm. So if it's anybody come out in the neighborhood and they come and they like, nah, that dude, that ain't from no neighborhood, you know. So mm-hmm. that's more the community policing that we need. So there's a lot of different um, small things that can go into making sure and ensuring that we are safe. Our police officers are hired by our taxpayers' dollars to protect and serve, not to kill us, to protect and to serve. So we must bring that mindset back out and be able to bring that and understand that. Uh, amen to that, and the brother is underneath. <laughs> that is fantastic. I think we need to put that on some T-shirts somewhere around here. Um, so one of the things, I did, that's fantastic. Um, now, um, with, and, and as you mentioned, and I, and, I, and, I, and I was aware of that statistic as well, in 40 years, a police officer for killing an unarmed man here in the Dallas Police Department has not been prosecuted. Okay, with that type of police violence and that type of uh, uh you know, ratio that we have here for the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, do you believe that we, at Next Generation, as an organization, do you believe our voices can still be heard amongst that type of regime, this type of regime of not um, the police violence being, you know, uh, allowed in, in such a long tenure a time for them to be able to do what they do and not be held accountable? Do you think... And I know you probably. I know you do probably believe that. You know, you think our voices will be heard, and how how will we go about them? Hear, I mean, hearing us with, you know, it's, this establishment, especially with that type of statistic, you know, hovering over us. Well, I believe our voices is being heard in the community, and um, as long as we are um, basically working together 
and understanding what we're, what we're trying to accomplish in police reform, uh, we will be able to accomplish some great things. So as long as all the organizations and different are working together and and that everybody understands what, what people are trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. um, there's several different organizations that's out there that's doing some amazing things for as far as in the police brutality ramp, okay. and um, and and definitely want to support them and mm-hmm. and keep on um, making sure that we're lining up with the things that's going to work for the better good of all the um, pending um, uh, uh, um, bills that's on the floor in different states and. And, and and in the United States uh, Congress, we definitely want to line up for that. That is fantastic, and I I, I tell you what, you you guys, I'm, you guys are amazing. You're doing some wonderful things, and and I will say, Brother Alexander, I I live out here in the Plano, Texas area myself, and but I was born and raised in Dallas and and, uh, and Oak Cliff myself, and and I and, it's, and I've seen the changes that are happening, and you're certainly right about that. Out here in the far north Dallas area, the police officers they know the, the people in their community. I mean, I, you can ask them about a student at a high school, and one of them say, Oh yeah, I know him, and I've met him. I'm like that's that's how it should be. Um, you know, recently um, in the news, not long ago, uh, the Dallas sheriff had the officers board the dark rail system and ride with us in an attempt or making a, a good faith uh, gesture to get to know the people in the community and say hello and reach out to them. How, how do you feel about that? What do you think about that uh, that that move that they did? You know, we, we, we have a lot of things going on in our community that we must address, and, and there's so much going on. But what we do is try to make sure that we address them one by one. Okay. And uh, that sounds good. And, so, um, and so, so would you like to see more of that, the reaching out that the Dallas area policemen did when they, when they boarded the dark trains and was – kind of, you know, meeting with people on the trains out in the community, you know, some people, you know, you'll have the naysayers say, well, that's just a pony and dog show. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a good an effort on their part. What do you think about that? That's, that's, that's an effort in the right way. Let me tell you this. We got people and individuals out here, and I, I give little light, um, uh, uh, basically adherent, adherence towards people with that type of mindset. Um, mm-hmm. We gotta repeat. You get me? We gotta come from this. There's certain right. individuals in the country that I, when I hear them, I'll be like, okay, well, are you wanting to repair this relationship, or are you wanting to keep it like it is? Uh, right. And if you're wanting to repair this relationship, I believe that's the right step. Let's keep on encouraging that. If it's a dog and pony show, let's put our foot to the gas and make them keep on doing it. You get me? Um, right. So. That it would be more than a dog and pony show, and now we'll make sure we put the, our foot to the net and making sure that they keep on doing it. Um, so as long as you encourage yourself and steady working diligently and making sure that you're holding these officers across the country accountable towards their actions and the things that they're doing, encourage things that you feel that is a dog and pony show, encourage them to keep on doing it. Make sure they keep on doing it. And if they do not, make sure that you make your voices be loud and clear, that they use um, um, the the 
uh, publicity to make it seem like they were doing something and they wasn't. Um, so make sure that you put your uh, – because I know in the Dallas Police Department and the other police departments in the suburb communities, we're making sure that they're, they're starting things and they keep on doing it, not something that they're just going to start and they're just going to you know, think it's going to blow over. Right, right. That's fantastic, man. I love that attitude, and that's how it ought to be, and and I can understand. I, I feel your passion and your fire for it is amazing, and I'm glad that you're sharing that spirit out there, and that's exactly that's the exact attitude we got to have, and, and that's exactly, that was a tactic itself of Martin Luther King Jr. to to go out there. They wanted to find the city that's going to react the most negatively to their nonviolent approach, and that in itself brought all the t- attention of the wrongdoings of the, of the races at that time to the uh, the uh, the national public, to the world public. So that's exactly, you guys are doing an amazing job, and that is such the right attitude to have. And at this time, Joel, I think I have gone through uh, a lot of the questions. I don't want to run over too much of time and give everyone who's calling in a chance to ask Mr. Alexander some questions. Great. Well, thank you very much, and I'm enjoying this interview from the both of y'all. Do We do have a uh, message that came over the Twitter line here, and it says, uh, what is the uh, Next Generation Action Group doing in other parts of the country uh, regarding this uh, nonviolent movement? Well, currently right now we work with uh, the Austin Coalition, the Houston Coalition. We work with the Honest Policing uh, Organization. The Honest Police Organization is a group of retired police officers, about 200 police officers that have addressed the concerns of, of the culture of policing and uh, that throughout the community. These officers from all over the United States, um, we work closely um, in New York. We work closely in Ohio, um, in Florida, in different uh, parts of the uh, country to address different things and being able to make sure that we gain our support um, in these areas, and we give our support in these areas to address any strong concerns. So if we're not quite there yet, we're getting stronger in these areas and making sure that we give our support and we give a good platform for the Next Generation Action Network to be able to give their voice um, towards these issues. Well, thank you, thank you. That was Johnny that submitted that question now. And we have one from Mary here that I think we may have spoke on this earlier. If not, we can revisit it. So what are some of the proper channels uh, to take when we are faced with police brutality? Well, we we talked about that earlier. One of the things is that we can't win it in the street. Um, uh, make sure that we render an aid. Make sure that we're doing the proper protocols to make sure that we are um, – um, our constitutional rights are not being violated when officers stop us, when officers ask us questions, different things like that. Um, so definitely um, addressing some of the concerns that's going on um, in our communities. And if we know the history. We know what's going on. Let's play it smart. Um, let's use our, our head when we're interacting with these police officers. Let's encourage our children to have the same mindset. Um, we have a lot of young adults that uh, feel that when the police stop them, they can say anything, they can work out, cuss them out, they can talk all kind of, you know. And it's, hey, we need to encourage our children to be respectful. Um, and, and at the same time, as we ask that for you, we're making sure that the police 
are aligning up and addressing the concerns for um, them being more respectful. And, you know, sometimes I always hear people always say, you know, talk to telling the community on certain things. Well, we always encourage communities to stand up and be able to address the concerns that's going on. And at the same time, we address the concerns with the police departments throughout the country. Um, so if we're working hand-in-hand with that, we'll be able to accomplish some great things. That sounds good. Now, Mr. Alexander, um, as you uh, uh, put together your program that y'all working the, the streets and working the civil rights movement, as you uh, have meetings and, and planning, uh, can the public come in and join in on what you're meeting and planning about and be a participant in, in some things that you're trying to change? Yes. Our organization is a full membership organization. Um, you can go on our website and join membership and be heavily involved on what we're doing in the plannings and the different things, um, the, communi- the communities. Um, we are creating uh, uh, chapters in different cities throughout the country. You can and um, you are invited to join our membership, and you can go on our website at nextgenerationactionnetwork.com. That sounds great then. Now, Mr. Alexander, now this is uh, directly to you and your organization. What do you see the Next Generation Action Network being years from now? We know that you're on the forefront and there's a lot of things going, but what is the ultimate goal that your organization is working towards? When I'm always asking that question, I tell you this, I resort to being a man of faith. I was given a vision by the Lord to open this organization. Um, I pray that it is every bit of what God envisioned the Next Generation Action Network to be. Uh, I am fighting very hard to make sure that all the potential of what um, God has wanted this organization to be and what level it needs to be at, we're wanting to make sure that it, that it goes in that impactful way. Um, I, I, I see great things um, for the Next Generation Action Network in, in the years to come um, and being able to uh, be a dominant force throughout the country uh, and throughout the world. So I definitely uh, see some great things. Amen. Mr. Exa, I want to let you know I really admire you and your program because as I live here in Dallas, Texas, and I see how you're bringing together different um, ministries and organizations together to do a nonviolent protest, and you've been very successful at it. I know these things, is nothing, there's nothing easy about this, but you're able to pull together different people, uh, different nationality, different agendas, and all work under the same preceptors to make a change for the nation, make a social change, and it all starts with us. How do you manage mm-hmm. to keep this here together regardless of all the things that you're going on, even in your own personal life? This is a challenge. What keeps you rooted and grounded in the movement? Well, first of all, um, allowing God to bless you with a beautiful wife and a strong wife, um, that that gives me a good load. Um, that gives me a good good support system. Uh, my wife is currently running for District 4 City Councilwoman in the area, Kiara D. Thunders. All right. Um, District 4, held by Dwayne Carraway. And... Um, we we just make sure that we keep our relationships. We keep, we keep our relationships. Um, 
um, impactful and impactful and making sure that we're outlining, you know, um, what some of the concerns is um, that the different organizations have and what our concerns is, and we find ways that we can work together. Um, I'm very impactful in, in building a relationship with LULAC, the Texas Justice Seekers, the NAACP, mm-hmm. different organizations that's been around for a long time and making sure that we have a good relationship with these people. That's good. That's good. And we will be mindful of your wife and the district and what she's running in. Amen. Because I know that y'all are doing some great things. It's beautiful when two can walk together in agreement, especially a husband and wife team now. Amen. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, y'all have to face each other. Now, the world looks better, but y'all have to face each other. Uh, Mr. Alexander, yeah. I'm, I, I'm very heavily invested in the lives of our young men. I do a juvenile ministry. I go down to the prison. And the same thing, the plagues of our young men as well as our older men. Men's. You had mm-hmm. a podium. Could you address some of the issues that our young people are facing and let them know that they have a future, that this is not mm-hmm. the end of it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is not the end of it. Yeah. I, I like to expand on that one, Joe, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm always uh, have a passion about the mass incarceration of African-American males, Latinos, and poor whites in this country. And so that's another issue in terms of equality and uh, opportunity for uh, minorities. Um, it seems to be, for lack of better words, you know, it seems to be some some uh, the needle is moving slowly on addressing that issue. And Texas happens to incarcerate more people than anyone in the United States. And when we talk about incarceration, you know, that's all we do. We build more prisons than we do colleges, and we pack them to the to the max with African American males being over sentenced for the uh, for the crimes that other uh, that non white non black commit and so you know is there is there is there somewhere will you guys also uh, probably get into the weeds of that issue with regards to uh, equality for minority people well we um when i was 17 years old my mom um um took me around to prison ministries and different things throughout the country uh, i was able to go uh, uh minister to the people on beat 01 beat 02 um uh, um, different prisons throughout the state of Texas, and uh, definitely mass incarceration is definitely one of those things that's on our radar to be able to talk about. In Texas, we have so many minorities behind bars. We have mm-hmm. so much excessive charging uh, mm-hmm. in our communities. Um, I think about a, a young man named Joseph Fowler. I, I love his story. Um, mm-hmm. uh Joseph Fowler was 17 years old, and he he um, when he was 17 years old, he met his his first uh, mother of his child, and um, at school, and he graduated. She was uh, 16 years old. He graduated. He was 18 mm-hmm. years old, and mm-hmm. he uh, continued his relationship with him with this young lady, and basically he went and. Um, he got her pregnant, and the parents did not like it. And the parents called the police on him. He's mm-hmm. about 50-something years old now, so that was about 30 to 40, 30 years ago, so definitely mm-hmm. around that primitive age. Um, they called the police on him. And in that case or whatever, this guy ended up resulting in a sexual assault charge, mm-hmm. um, him having to go to prison for this. You know, child is so old and you know, uh, definitely, uh, uh, you know, 
definitely in, impactful in his life. You know, the, the the mother of the child never wanted to bring this on him like that. Um, through the years, through the years in Dallas Police Department, um, Joseph Fowler, his children had gotten into some trouble. His son had gotten into some very trouble. Guys showing up at the house with guns, um, and his his son was in a shootout. Different things. So he had to move his family. And one of the requirements is that you have to register as a sex offender. He moved his family. And when he moved his family, he did not do the proper different channels. But here's the thing. I understand that there that is a violation. That is a violation, and we need to make sure that we protect our community from, sex, uh, you know, um, it, you know, some certain sexual predators in the community, but we as a community need to understand exactly uh, uh, the different levels of these cases and understand mm-hmm. that um, before we look at it. But here's a man that was trying to only protect his family. If we mm-hmm. look into the case, and you can actually look, in, uh, look it up or whatever, and you actually look into the case, this is not one of those sexual predators. This was a guy growing up, and one person and one, two individuals end up getting mad at him because he had a relationship well past, you know, with a daughter, you know. And um, in this case, um, he was arrested in Dallas, and he was sentenced to 25 years at the age of 57 years old. So let me tell somebody, and somebody tell me if that's not a separate charge and it's, it's an magnitude, if that's not unconstitutional. And that's done, that was done right here in in Dallas County mm-hmm. under uh, District Attorney Craig Watkins' regime in the ah. Judge Cruiser Court. We have this going on, and we must address it. Yes, we do. Hey, man, thank you for enlightening us on these things. And these are some things that we need to bring to the forefront because as we navigate through life, we we have been pulled and tossed at every turn, and sometimes we feel hopeless. But I am so glad that your organization is a voice of hope. You know, your your organization is the is a voice for those that seem to have to be voiceless. And so, well, thank you, there, Mr. Alexander. Mr. Alexander. Uh, uh, this interview is about to come to an end. We had the phone lines uh, lit up. A lot of people said they enjoyed the conversation. They said they have very many questions to present, uh, but they wanted to just listen in. One question I'd like to just ask you before we get out, they said with all the protests and all the activity that are going on, uh, is, it, do it, is it making a difference? I know it, I know what the answer is, but you tell us that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it making a difference? That's what you asked? Yes, sir. Yes. That's what Mike wants yes, to know sir, it's from Louisiana. It's making because it's making us very strong. Um, every time I go through a street, uh, go to to a, a city council chambers or a county commissioner chambers or different city officials, you can see the spirit on their eyes and saying, "Okay, if we don't get this dude out of here and address his concerns, <laughs> he's coming back to not <laughs> more folks." So. It definitely, and, and me and my wife and other people see it all the time and uh, definitely want to, you know, it, it, it is definitely um, uh, being addressed throughout the community. And that's great. I'm, so you, I'm, I'm glad you said that because sometimes people say, well, it ain't making a difference, but it is. Underlying mm-hmm. it is shaking the very foundation of things that are not right, you know. The old mm-hmm. foundation, the old ways of, go, of being torn down. And, and we want to thank you how your organization has reached across the cultural boundaries. 
for the gender, for age, and just reaching out to uh, to correct the wrong for all humanity. I want to thank mm-hmm. you. I want to mm-hmm. thank you. Because yes, of what you're doing, you give mm-hmm. men and women hope for the future, Miss Alexander. Some things that we may not ever think of that's working against our against us. You're addressing those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so when when the officers stop us and and, and they know the, the right w- w- way to interact with us, it's because of organizations like yours, man. Anything that I've done, I, you know, they say, hey, now somebody is watching us. Somebody, uh, we have to be accountable for. Thank you for letting it. Uh, these programs and these, the police officers and the city officials be accountable to the people they serve. Thank you, yeah, sir. Yeah. yeah. It's wonderful, Thank Mr. Alexander. So yeah. It's wonderful the Next Generation Network, you know, uh, what you're doing. Uh, Action Network is fantastic. I thank you for being a, a, a founder and a, a current day foot soldier for this, these issues that we have going on here. You're, you're doing all the right things. You're going in all the right um, directions. And I'm definitely going to run back to uh, I actually worked with the, the director of the Human Rights um, Division at Southern Methodist University and let Dr. Vic Halpern know about the Next Generation Network at Action Network and how young people may be on campus can get involved with the organization as well. I mean, because it is a big thing. We do, We I have, like I said, we, are, uh, we do take a civil rights pilgrimage uh, to all of the historical sites uh, places and venues um, and, and, and everything where a lot of the civil rights organizations happen. And we meet with the foot soldiers who are still alive today to tell us their stories up front and personal. And we visited the graves of, of uh, the, one of the civil rights um, um, the young men that were killed up in, in, in Oxford, Mississippi, and then had the movie about them, uh, Burning Mississippi. And so we do a lot of those different things, and those things are, are – and, and, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a trip that was a seven-day trip, seven cities. That's a trip that will change uh, uh, your life completely. And, and I really would like to reach out and maybe uh, uh, touch bases with you because I believe, to your point – Education is a large part of this whole thing, and so when people go and are able to hear and see and even touch uh, what the civil rights movement was all about, you cannot believe it's a, it's a life-changing experience. But I definitely have this, the Next Generation Action Network to go back and, and just boast about and tell them all the wonderful things that you all are doing, and I definitely intend on doing that. Well, I could definitely let you know that we have uh, um, we have on YouTube we have a video where we went to speak to the uh, SMU students uh, about a month ago, um, and currently our executive director of the uh, Next Generation Action Network, her name is Miss Ailey Pope. She's on the student senate at SMU uh, currently right now. And we're definitely looking forward into bringing a collegiate chapter on this new um, this coming up fall. Awesome, awesome. That would be wonderful. And it would be great to, uh, again, I think that maybe, you know, have you guys uh, uh, come on a pilgrimage with us. And um, like I said, it'll, it'll change your life. It is sponsored by the SMU Theology Department. And, uh, so, um, you know, we have ministers that. Yeah, she's at the School of Perkins. Yeah, she's in Perkins. That's wonderful. That's exactly. She'll. Then I'm surprised. I'm sure she may have mentioned to you about the pilgrimage. It is an unbelievable, uh, fantastic mm-hmm. event that happens once a year. And I think I encourage anyone who has an opportunity to uh, go on that pilgrimage to do so because it is a mind blowing, life changing situation. Oh, I think all young no. people should definitely go on up that this, this particular trip. And there's information on the on the website about it as well. 
That's great. That's great. Awesome. God bless you. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Mr. Alexander, you've been a great guest. We're looking forward to having you to come back again and keep us up to date on what's going on with the Next Generation Action Network because that's a lot of work to be done. And we want you and your organization to know that you're not alone, that we're in the, that we're in the fight there with you. We're just on a different level than you are. We're doing things different than you are, but we're working towards the same goal for social change for our peoples. And we want to thank you for what you're doing. And, and Mr. Exam, we'd like you to come back uh, later on to give us an update to keep us uh, keep us hooked up with what's going on and just keep us in energized. Encourage us because sometimes, we, you know, we feel like we're in this fight alone, but we realize that we're not. God have a whole nation of men and women that's on the forefront that's fighting for equality for all men and women. So thank you for what you're doing and, uh, and keep doing what you're doing and God get the glory. Thank you, too, Minister Lewis. I look forward to speaking to you later. Well, great. God bless you. And you can always go back to this show, Blog Talk Radio, forward slash Granny Place, and encourage yourself on this interview. And thank you, uh, Carl Reed, Mr. Alexander. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Reed. Looking forward to Excuse me? Oh, I said thank you, oh. Ms. Reed. Oh, thank you, Mr. Alexander. It has been a pleasure, and I and I hope to get in touch with you sometime, and we'll chit chat later on. We got in our own conversation, but we'll talk. <laughs> All right. Yes, we will. Oh, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, sir. What a great interview that we had there with Mr. Alexander. Hey, man, what a great interview with the uh, uh, Next Generation Action Network. Thank you, Carol. Oh, man, that was mind blowing, Carol. Thank you. you know, oh, thank you. What a great interview that we had. You know, the phone line was lit up, but we were unable to bring in the call as we wanted to. But we did have a couple of text messages and some questions that were presented to kind of things. I like to think about our senior hall. Things will make you say, uh, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you, you know what? You really hit the mark on some of the questions there that you asked, Mr. Alexander. Now, Carol, I know that you've been on the forefront of this uh, on social chain for quite a while. But yet you're still going. What keeps you going? When after all uh, has know, been done, you know, what keeps you going? You know what? You know, my historical, um, I guess, um, person that, does, that that inspires me the most, you know, was the spirit of Martin Luther King. Um, you know, he was called to, to be on the forefront of a very, uh, you know, at a, tur- at, a, at, a, at a time our nation at his most turbulent time. And uh, nothing wavered him. He kept right on going and, and because, you know, he understood that, you know, somebody must act, and the time was now. And so young men like Mr. Alexander, it reminds me so much of the spirit of Martin Luther King. And, and I take with me that. And once I have gone on, even before then, I, for some little, for some reason, even when I was a little girl, I did a report on Martin Luther King, the letter from Birmingham jail. And so it's always stayed with me. And uh, so and once I got to uh, SMU and got a chance to speak with uh, human rights activists and, and experts and the death penalty uh, experts and things that we addressed, there, uh, I, 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 my passion grew in more so. But after I took that pilgrimage, I mean, that set a whole nother fire. And I can tell you right now, if you sit and stand in those places and listen to the foot soldiers who are still alive, they can tell you what they went through. Because a lot of people don't know, on that march from Edmund Pettus Bridge, the police didn't just beat them back to AME Brown Church. They beat them way back into the communities. They beat them way back into their homes, kicked down their doors, and continued to beat them 
on back past the church, on back past where they started the whole parade. So, My you know, the Lord. march. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a thing once you hear the, 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 the untold stories from people who were there and experienced it, you know that you cannot sit stand by and let their struggle and the things that the beatings, the incarceration that they took for on on our behalf, because we came way late on in the game. I mean, I wasn't even born, I think, when Marley King was killed. So I cannot let their struggle and what they did for us in the past go in vain. There's no way. And I think that's the thing that we have to instill in young people. If they knew what people went through to get where we are today, they would stand up. I know that that's so you know that's so true. I came at the end of uh, the uh, the march and movement because Martin Luther King was assassinated. And things kind of went dormant. Uh, our leaders kind of like wanted to take a back seat. They kind of reevaluated. Here it is, twenty years later, thirty years later, they seem to be still reevaluating. And Carl, sometimes things don't look like they know better than what it was uh, back in the late sixties with the killing and the police brutality and the wage discrimination, you know, just in the housing, you know. They said, we're going to give them a home, you know, with the the fancy apartment. I'm just going to use the name, Rosemont Terrace, you know, the nice well, exterior. But they're grouping you. They know where you are. Yeah. And with the homelessness, I do a, I, I'm involved in homelessness. But on Sundays, and Sunday between 2 and 6, they know where the homeless population is because they allow you to sit up and feed. Because they say, well, for the next three, four hours, we'll have to worry about too much because the homeless population is gathered here and gathered there. Don't think that they're not watching. They know where you mm-hmm. are. They know what's going on. They say, well, mm-hmm. this is control. You know, this is a control environment. You know, so we're not fooling mm-hmm. ourselves. So between you know between the time of uh, two and six, a homeless population over here in East Dallas, over here in West Dallas, and so we control that. You know we allow them to do that. If they don't want us to do it, they come up and say, "Well, you don't have a permit." A lot of times people right. don't have a permit, but the city looks the other way because they say we know where these people are. And as long as they just feeding them and clothing them and not giving them no mm-hmm. information they can use, we can use that to our advantage. Right. Right, that 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 you know, and you're so right about that. We can't continue to fall for the the okie doke as they used to say back in the day. We can't continue to make them think that that's going to be enough. That's not enough. There's a whole yeah, lot not. more that we need and demand from them, and they're going to have to answer one way or another. And the fact that the, the, nowadays, and this thing has, it seems as though we've taken some steps back with the civil rights movement because of all of the violence and the and the yeah. and The only thing about that is now today, you know, we have modern. It's, it's weird than living in an electronic world where we can take pictures with our phones, record with our phones, we can do everything. And so you know, now it, it's wonderful that people can just put this on a, we can now put this out there and let them know just how often this stuff is happening. But we're not going to fall for, you know, here you just give us, to pacify us, you know, to put us in those places from two to six and pacify us. That's not enough. We need more than that, and they owe us more than that because this country was built on the backs of our, our African slave ancestry. And therefore, yeah, you don't have to give us a, 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 a Four acres and a mule. We don't even want that anymore. That's that. That's not going to get us anywhere. We want the equal college, the equal rights that anybody else has in this country. Yes, that's so true. Carol, we about ready to get out of here. We want to thank you sure. once again. You were a great sure. and excellent co-host, and I was very blown away by the presentation that you presented. It it was above excellency. Thank you for what thank you're doing. You, thank you for spending time with us this morning. You could be doing a lot of other things, but you you made yourself available to this program and to what, what Mr. Alexander is doing and what we're attempting to do in this program. This program, we're, we want to bring about a social change. We want to bring about awareness. You know, uh, we're, religion based, we're a religious-based program, but we go, uh, we 
we broaden the territory. We talk about things that uh, that affecting society, and you know that this is you know, and, and this is what religion is all about. You stated earlier how the church was involved in the so in the in the uh, nonviolent movement, how they brought people together, they bust people to job, they were feeding people all for the changing of a society and mm-hmm. and for making things equal. And that's what we need to do on program, you know, is to let people know that if someone else is out there doing some some of the things that you're doing. Carol, that you're not alone. Miss Alexander's not alone. There's a whole nation of like minded men and women that are mm-hmm. striving towards social change. So thank you. Well, thank you. I enjoyed you for having me on this morning and definitely for being able to interview with Mr. Alexander in this wonderful organization, Next Generation Action Network. Fantastic show this morning, Joel. Beautiful work you're doing here for us to put this out on the platform for everyone to get this information about organizations such as and your program that continues to do great things and bring great topics to, the, to an audience out there. We appreciate you. Well, God bless you, and we'll talk with you later. Amen. We're about ready to get out of here. And so thank you, everyone. Thank our listeners. Thank you for the calls that came in. Sorry we weren't able to get to you in a timely manner. But uh, look forward to you joining us again next week for another great topic. And just continually to uh, bring this to the forefront and let people know that you're not alone. That's what it is. You know, God is always there with us, but he also gives us men and women to walk beside and be like-minded. So thank you, my dear sister. Thank you, Mr. Alexander. And thank you, my calling uh, my uh, call-in and listening audience, this show is sponsored by Granny's Place. Granny's Place is a nonprofit uh, ministry that's attempting to reach the needs of our young men and women at risk. Granny Place have a, uh, a website, grannyplaceministry.org. Uh, Please take time out to go visit the website and be involved in changing a life. As we get ready to get out of here, we want to be very mindful that uh, that we'll still have a lot of work to do. We want to be mindful that this is God's business. Amen. We want to be mindful that we should never give up on God and God never give up on us. And so if we get ready to get on out of here, we'll have a word of prayer. Grace and Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for what we experience. We thank you for our guests and our co-hosts this morning, dear Lord. We thank you, dear Lord, for an opportunity, dear Lord, to share with our listening audience that there's a, that there's an organization and there's a ministry, there's programs that are going out front, dear Lord, and addressing those needs that are plaguing society today. We uh, ask you to continue to watch over Mr. Alexander, his family, his organization, dear Lord, give them the the wit that they need to tap uh, to attach the sign that which you are giving them, dear Lord, for we know it comes from above. Dear Lord, we want to thank you for Sister Carol, dear Lord, that came out and shared her talent with us this morning. Dear Lord, we pray that you continually to uh, watch over this show, watch over Beverly, and let this show be uh, done the way that you want it to be done. We pray these in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Until we Amen. meet again, talk with you next week. Have a great Amen. weekend. Right. Okay.